This is part three. This is some continuing. It's called How to Receive God's Blessing One Step at a Time, One Right Step at a Time. And there's so much in this text, but I don't, uh, and there's so much that I have I want to say. So just kind of stay with me here because there's so much in our story about Jesus turning water into wine. Uh, I heard a story, actually, I read this story about these guys. Story of two drunks who went into a liquor store and they stole a bottle of wine each. They had them in their back pocket. As they came out of the store, the security guard caught them. He said, what do you have in your pockets? One drunk said, well, I have water in my pocket. But my friend over there, he's got wine in his. So he told the friend. He went over to the friend. And he said, empty your pocket. And sure enough, wine came out. Then he went back to the man that he was talking to. He says, empty your pocket. And a bottle of wine came out. He said, I thought you told me you had water in your pocket. He said, well, I didn't know Jesus was still turning water into wine. John chapter 2, follow with me, and I guess I'm going to read the same verses because it's important we see all that's going on. On the third day, the wedding took place, the Canaan of Galilee, verse 1. Jesus' mother was there, Jesus and his disciples, they were invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. His mother said to his servants, whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars that had been used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each one holding 20 to 30 gallons. Verse 7, Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim, and then he told them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the banquet. And when they did so, the master of the banquet tasted the water and had been turned into wine. He did not realize when it came, where it came from. Though the servants that had drawn out the water, they knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out their choice wine first. And when cheaper wine is gone, they give the guests when they've had too much to drink. But you saved the best wine until now. This was the first miraculous sign Jesus performed at Canaan in Galilee. And thus he revealed his glory. And his disciples put their faith in him. If you weren't with us on the first two sermons, I can't re-preach those sermons. I can't bring you up to speed, but I'll just simply say, go back and listen to those. But one thing Jesus says here moving on is it sounds like when Jesus says to Martha, I mean to Martha, to Mary, he says, it's not my hour. Why do you involve me? And I said this before, it sounds like a no. And so here's a quote I didn't get to last week. It simply means this. And this is hard because There's something about God's silence that can get to us. When we ask God for one thing and and he doesn't say what we think he ought to say, or at least say something that's going to make some sense to us, it's not easy. And God's silence, when you have a great need in your life and God is silent, that will shake your soul. Especially when the wine has run out of your own personal life. You're tired, you're weary, you're, you're, you need answers, and you don't have answers. The wine has run out just like in a story. And you go to Jesus, and Jesus says, do you, why do you involve me right now? Why do, you, why do you want me to get involved? And he gives her an answer almost like it's not by time. It's the timing's way off here, Mar- uh, Mary. The timing's not right. So here's the quote I had, and it simply says, God's silence often, God's silence does not always mean God's refusal. His no doesn't always mean no. It often means not this, not now, and not yet. Not this, not now, 
and not yet. So let's go to our story in John 2. Here it is, releasing God's blessing one right step at a time. And really, it's a story about leadership that you think about this. This is a crisis. It's, and again, I, I can't go back over the last three sermons, but when the wine runs out of the marriage, this is very bad news for everyone that's involved. This is going to be an embarrassment, but more than that, it was, this was terrible. This, the worst thing could happen is happening. So it's only been a few days, apparently. The wine has run out. Uh, this is not a good scene at all. This is, it would be embarrassment to the families. Everyone that's there is going to be affected by the wine running out. So let me just leave it there. So here we have a crisis. We have a need. It's Mary that goes to Jesus because here is leadership. Because leadership in a crisis, I thought this, leadership in a crisis, a crisis is an opportunity can be turned into an opportunity to get God involved if you allow him. Yeah, it's a crisis. The wine has run out. Everyone in this church will be affected by your decision or my decision. Yeah, the wine has run out, and it is a crisis, but this crisis can be used to turn to God, ask God to help us. God can do this. This can be also be a great opportunity in your life. It may not look like a great opportunity at the moment. This can be turned into a great opportunity, and that's what leadership does. Leadership in crisis Seek solutions and answers. Leadership. People that, that uh, let me say, let me go back. A leader is not because you got a title. It doesn't mean because you have a position. It doesn't mean because you have power. We've all met people that are in places of leadership, but they ain't leaders. You say to yourself, I never want to act like that guy. I never want to be a person like that. Yeah, you got a title, but that means that don't mean jack. Because a leader seeks solutions. A leader hears about the crisis and says, well, how, you know, this is not good. We need to figure out how, how we can handle this. We've we we, we got to find a solution. Uh, a godly leader uh, thinks about how can I get God involved in this? How can I ask God to help me? I don't really know what to do. Mary didn't know what to do, but she's a godly woman. The wine has run out. It's going to be a total embarrassment to everyone in the church if the church finds out about this. And Mary does not post it on Facebook. Mary doesn't put it on Instagram. Mary says, you know what? The only person I'm taking this to is Jesus. You know, we save ourselves a lot of problems in life. You know, people have been shot by things they've posted on Instagram and Facebook. We save ourselves a lot of problems in our life if we'd simply, you know what? I'm going to follow Lee. I'm going to follow Mary's example. I don't know what to do about this. This problem's pretty big, but I'm not going to tell anyone else about this. I'm taking this to Jesus, not to Google. I'm taking this to. I'm taking this right to Jesus. I don't know what else to do about it. And that's what leaders do. They find a solution, but not just look for a solution. She's going to find it, but she takes it to Jesus Christ. That's what she. Listen, a leader is not someone who knows about a crisis, and all you do is complain about it. That's called a complainer. Pastor, you know, this is going on. Yeah, what are you going to do about it? Well, I don't know. Well, you, you, you found out about the pro, whatever the issue might be. We make it worse if we just start complaining about it. You want to make that little thing huge, just keep complaining about it. Yeah, wine ran out. Wine ran out. Why, why, why did the wine run out? Who's in charge of the wine? Who, well, where's the wine at? I, if I was in charge of the wine, the wine would have never run out. But so obviously someone's in charge. They wouldn't have to act together, and the wine ran out. People make drama out of stuff. It's easy, listen to me, 
It's easy to ask questions about something that you weren't involved in. And it's easy to find an answer for things you weren't in. You see, it's easy to look at someone and criticize something. Well, I don't know how this fits, but you can look at it and criticize. Well, how come this didn't happen? Why didn't that go on? Well, I don't, listen, it's easy to do. Why don't you just try to help me find a solution? Can you help me find a solution in this? I forgot to start the timer. <laughs> now we're starting the sermon. Let me go back. John chapter 2. A leader, a godly leader, used their influence for good and for God. She's using her influence. Too often in our world, they use their influence for themselves and themselves only, primarily. That's, that's just called selfishness. But a godly leader uses their influence for good and for God and for others. Mary's using her inside scoop. Remember, Mary is Jesus' mother. She's, she's using the mother pool on Jesus to bless other people. We know what it's like when mama says, but I'm your mama. You know what that means? It means there ain't nothing, no discussion in this one. I'm your mama. And mom, if your mother says that, what she's saying is, end of discussion. You ain't saying nothing else back to me. You can do what I tell you to do. I'm not saying Jesus was made by so I've read, I heard preachers talk about it. I've read commentary. And Jesus was forced. Jesus was not forced to do anything. Come on. He's God. Stop it. But the godly leader uses her influence with Jesus for the good and for other people. And she's so submitted. Well, it's, it, she has this uh, submitted spirit, or she, she lives in the life, I say submission, but it really is because when she goes to Jesus, and, and all these are lessons for all of us to learn, she goes to Jesus, she, she, she lays out the need to Jesus, and it sounds like Jesus says, it's not my time, that's what he actually says, but she listens to that, and she doesn't respond to that. She simply listens to what he has to say, and she leaves it with him. Based on, I know he will do something. Do you have enough trust in God that you can take it to him and leave with him and say, you know, because you've known him and because he's helped you in the past, you can say, you know what? I haven't heard nothing yet, but I know he'd do something. She doesn't turn around and say, Jesus, well, explain to me what you mean. I'm your mama. (laughs) She, She doesn't do the mama card on Jesus. I raised you. I wiped your butt when you were a boy. <laughs> Probably should have said that. Anyway, I already said I can't take it back. Delete that. Shouldn't do none of that. And so, you know, you think about it. She just, she just leaves it with them. And the response, uh, because I was reading these different Greek commentaries, or I have different commentaries that tell you what the words mean and break it all down. And some of these commentaries, a lot of these Greek guys, they get lost in the Greek. Just tell me what it means, buddy. You know, the Greek this and this this. And then you read it all. And by the time you get on, you go, oh, you lost your mind. Just answer the question. But one translation simply means, why do you involve me now? Why do you involve me now? That's a good, I thought that's a good question for all of us. Why do we want God to get involved in your life right now? Jesus asked her, why do you want to involve me right now? Sometimes people get in a crisis, and they don't realize there are crisis Christians. What I mean by that, there are people that always turn to God only when there is a crisis. 
And God was saying, oh, now you want me to get involved in your life. Oh, now you got some problems. But God's a God of grace and mercy. Amen. Even when we do that, he doesn't throw it in our face like some folks. Oh, now you're going to God. Well, at least I'm going to God now than better than never. God doesn't do that. He just listens. and He's laid out there. He's a God of grace. God, very merciful God. But Mary responds. She's simply, because what's happened in the past, there's a such a submission about her she believed jesus would do something and i'm going to cover this and i'll cover it again at the end if i get to it in this miracle it's so important what everyone does i think we forget how close and how important what we do or don't do matters because mary says jesus says not my moment it's not my time let me interject something here. This is really interesting to me. The Bible says it's the beginning of Jesus' miracles, but really, practically speaking, it's the end of this wedding. This, wedding, this marriage is over. If this goes through the way it's going, if there is no more wine, this thing's going to blow up. So it's the end of the marriage. It's the end of the celebration. But yet, at the same time, it's the beginning of God's miracles. So what does that mean, Pastor? Oh, for me, as a pastor, it makes perfect sense. When the wine runs out of the world and it's about to end, the party is over, that's when God shows up and does the best work. Because everyone must answer an altar call when the wine ran out. When our life came to an end, the hey, party's over, I'm addicted, I'm on drugs, I ain't got no help, the party's over. Then we come to an altar and Jesus, that's a perfect time for me to step in and help you. That's some good preaching right there. But when Mary says this to Jesus, Jesus doesn't respond, doesn't give any clear direction. All Mary, based on trust and, and who Jesus is and what she's seen in the past, and turns to the servants that are there and says, hey, you just do whatever he tells you to do. You know she's a mama. So how do you know that? Because only a mama's going to look at a crowd and go, do. You better do what he tells you to do. So what Jesus didn't say, Mama, Mary says something. When Mary said, Mary said, do it. Okay, okay. No, here's my real point. When Mary says, do whatever Jesus tells you to do, she says it to the servants, which will lead me to the next point in a minute. If you don't have the right people around you, just because God tells you what to do doesn't mean you're going to do it. If Mary, listen to me, if Mary doesn't have the right people around her, and even though she tells them, I want you to do what Jesus says to do, see, they may hear Jesus, but how many, every one of us know this one, we may hear what Jesus says, but that don't mean we're going to do what Jesus says to do. Mary is so much to me, Mary is such a leader because not only she said, do whatever he tells you to do, she believes in the people, a leader believes in people. She, you know, I, I believe you guys can do what God asks you to do. I believe you can do what God asks you to do. That's a leader. A leader believes in us when no one else believes in us. God believed in us when no one else believed in us. That's a leader. You do whatever he tells you to do. And so we know the story. They're going to go and they're going to fill the water pots. Just because the servants are given the instruction, you might have people around you that are disobedient. Maybe you got the wrong people at your wedding. 
Because you got people all around you, they, they ain't got an ounce of obedience in their life. <laughs> Good preaching. It's getting quiet. <laughs> yeah, you, you got to, who, who's around you? Who, who's at your wedding? Who's at your life? Who's in your life? Who's celebrating life with you? And you look around and say, well, if Jesus tells you, I ain't going to do what Jesus tells me. I never have it. I ain't going to start now. Well, man, if you ain't going to do what Jesus says, and you're not going to do what Jesus says, and you're not going to do what Jesus says, ain't nobody going to be blessed in this household. So you got a household, you got maybe a mom or a dad trying to live for God. Everyone else around her just, just ain't living for God at all. They, ain't, they don't plan to live for God. You're here because someone made you came this morning even. Good preaching. Everyone around you, oh, you ain't going to do nothing. Oh, you never have, never will. You got to listen. The people around you, I'm not saying get rid of them. Too. You, got, you heard what he said. You're not around the right people around me. I'm, I'm, you better get out of here. No, no. Uh, uh, you got to pray, God, get a hold of these people's lives so they will do whatever you tell them to do. Because listen how it works. You obey God. The servants obey God. Mary obeys, goes to God. She takes whatever God says, you know, whatever he tells you to do. She obeys. They obey. And there's such a great blessing that's poured out for everyone at that party. Everyone is touched. Because one mother went to Jesus. And a few servants, which they're named, they're unnamed for a reason. The disciples that are there, they're not even named. Jesus is named and Mary is named. Because everyone there, everyone there, the word servant can be any one of us. Any one of us can usher great blessing to our family's life if we're obedient. But if we ain't doing what he's telling us to do, how do we expect God to pour out a blessing in our life? That brings me to the next point, and that is <clears throat> godly parents teach others how to listen to God. But having said that, it goes without saying, if we want our kids or we want to influence other people around us to listen to God, then we ourselves obviously have to listen to God ourselves. A parent may want, I want my kids to grow up listening to God. I want my kids to grow up hearing the voice of God. That's great. But what about you, Mom? A lot of times, parents want for their kids, but they're not contending for in their own personal lives. I I want my kid to hear from God. I want my kid to obey God. Listen, you're, you're the example in their life. No one says, Mary, when Mary says, do whatever he tells you to do, no one comes back and says, oh, Mary, you've never done that. No, no, no one could say that. It doesn't mean she's perfect. It just means our example does matter. Parents want the kids to be committed. I want my kids to be committed to God. Why would they be committed to God if you ain't? Say amen. Probably the last amen I'll hear. That's the sermon. No, because I asked you to say it. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> Mary is using her influence. And since we talk about parents, we talked about mothers before, I won't really go there, but every one of us have the gift of influence, and every one of us can use our influence for good and for God and for other people. You say, well, what can I do? I'm not a mother. No, I get that. I said it last week. Kathy Webb was not my biological mother. But Kathy Webb, a mothering spirit, took me and my wife into the church 
even though she was twice our age. And when you're 20 some, someone's 40, and your mind's like, man, they are old, right? <laughs> Admit it. When we, I thought she was old. I'm already almost there myself. But she took me and my wife in, literally took us in like a mother. And you can use your influence for good and for God. You can, listen, mom or parent, any, any person in here can use your influence to help other people. You're teaching Sunday school. You're influencing kids. It could be teaching Sunday school. It could be doing children's church. It could be doing nursery. So I want to do nursery. Well, you get three stars in heaven if you do nursery. You get to heaven, you got a big old crown. So what's that for? God said, you, you, you did nursery more than anyone, girl. Here you go. I saw, I saw all the wipes you did. <laughs> I count every wipe. <laughs> My brain, right? My brain's out there. But every one of us can teach Sunday school. A young man can teach. Uh, anything we can do, we can touch people's lives. And in my own kids, I can honestly say my kids have referred back to children's church or Sunday school, things they learned from Dale and other teachers in Sunday school their whole life. Every now and then my kid would say something, Nate would say something. I remember when he talked about Sunday school or children's church, something they learned like 20, 30 years ago. I thought, man, you pay attention. Why don't you pay attention to me? <laughs> Amazing. And so Mary says something, and I think it's so important, because to obey God, she says, do whatever he tells you to do. And I would say this to all of us, and every parent should say it to ourselves, but let's say it to our kids, say it to people around us, that the God, you want God to be able to speak to your kids. And if God tells you to leave some of your friends, you need to leave those friends. God tells you to leave that job, you need to leave that job. God speaks to you, whatever it is. Or God says, stay on the job, then stay on the job. But God says, you don't need to be doing that, then don't do it. God says, you be patient, then you be patient. God says, you need to forgive that brother or sister, then forgive that brother or sister. God says, I want you to be involved. And you say, well, I didn't do what God asked you to do. Son, whatever God tells you to do, do it. Best words a parent can say to a child, whatever God tells you to do, son or daughter, do it. And that's what you want. You want your kid to one day look to you and say, you know, I know God don't speak just audibly to us like that. He speaks in our heart. But we all know when we've heard from God. He said, God spoke to my heart. I've had my grandkids say something about church. God spoke to their heart about something. And you say, man, thank God. I remember my son, Nate, he wanted to be a doctor. And I thought, cool, I'll have money. <laughs> no, I just thought, I see, you laugh, but you thought the same thing. <laughs> no, I said, that'd be great, son, but I never pushed him any. That's what he wanted to do. I said, okay. He's got the brains to do it. He applied for some medical school. Um, he was going to be a physician's attendant, first a PA first, and maybe become a doctor, but a PA was fine. He applied, and he, he didn't get in. And uh, he was going to college, did really well in college, honor student, bio major. He's got his brains from me, I tell you. 
But anyway, smart. And so I remember one time he was telling me, he said, Dad, I, I'm not going to play basketball. I thought he was going to play basketball on the college team or something. He said, pretty, pretty good basketball. And I thought he was going to do this and that. But I never pushed him. I just let, let I, there's things I wanted. But listen, parent, you may have desires for your kids, but it's their, their life. And some parents, man, their kids are living out their dreams at the expense of that kid. And every child you have is a gift from God, and they may be different. They may be, one may be really smart. One may be like me, not that smart. And there might be someone else. Listen, but they're all gifts from God to you. You can't compare your kids. Sometimes kid, parents make the one kid special and so special you actually depress the other kids how you treat them. One of the worst things a parent can do is show favoritism to the kids openly. You drive your son or daughter into depression. They can't tell you that because you're the parent. You remember Nate telling me, he said, Dad, I'm not going to do this. I said, why, son? Reapply. He says, no, I don't feel like God wants me to reapply. I said, you only tried one time, son. He said, yeah, I don't think. I said, okay, then you do whatever God's telling you to do, son. And then he told me one day, it blew my mind, he said, I feel called to preach. I said, oh, Lord, please. <laughs> please. I'm just being honest. Can I be honest? I said, oh, Lord, please. He said, I had an encounter with God, Dad. He said, he pulled over and cried and wept. He said, I had an encounter with God. He said, oh, now my life's going to work out, but I'm going I'm to preach. And I said, okay, son, but I thought, and the reason why I was a little discouraged, truthfully, because I can't, can't, can't get real. I think I'm always real anyway. You know? <laughs> Probably too real, right? So you're happy, you're real and raw. Um, I've been here 30-some years. When you pastor long enough, I love the people of God. Don't get me wrong. But you go through a lot of heartache. And I knew the pain that would come in his life when he said, okay, I accept the call. Nothing against the call. I just, God, with that call comes so much pain and so many battles and so many uh, attacks of hell and attacks from people in the church. And think things, I said, oh, God, spare him. But he said, Dad, that's what I feel called to do. And son, then do whatever he tells you to do. That's what Mary says. That's great advice. God tells you, get off Instagram. Some of you say, that's not God, that's the devil. No, <laughs> that might be God. I'm not saying it's all bad, but for a lot of people it is. God may speak to you, get off Instagram, get off this. <laughs> One of our brothers was preaching Thursday, Pastor Steve Hernandez. He, I look at me, he said, delete. Remember he said the thing about deleting the stuff on your phone? And I, you know, I can hear pretty good. My wife says I got selective hearing, so I can't hear her ever. But I, I, I do hear her. But I always, I don't know what it is. I went to the doctor. I got great hearing, so I don't know. Maybe she's right. But anyway, I was in the back there, and I saw Ricky on his phone. And I looked at Ricky. I'm just kidding. I looked at Ricky. I'm like, what are you doing? He's preaching. You're like doing this. He says, and he says, I'm bleeding. And I go, oh my God, you're bleeding. He goes, bleeding. I go, oh, he's bleeding. Where, where from? You know, I wear it. He said, I'm deleting. <laughs> oh, I thought you said you were bleeding. I was getting ready to say, stop, he's bleeding. Oh, Lord. Woo. Well, that was a close one. I said, oh, my God. I could just see the whole service stopping. What happened? He's deleting. 
some things on his phone. The pastor wants to rush him to the hospital. <laughs> but God may tell you, delete. Get off Instagram or do this. Get off Facebook. Spend so much time doing that. When you're young, you don't realize the preciousness of time until you get older. And when you get older and you've gone through some things, then you realize time goes by so fast. Go to the next point, my close here. Godly parents teach their children to trust God. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with the water. Notice who Jesus speaks to the servants. Sometimes people are in a church and they wonder why God don't ever speak to them. Because you don't serve. You're not much of a servant. You come and take and leave. But you don't serve. You're not. That's not the position of your heart is to serve. So you know what? I'm here to help the church. I'm going to help the church any way I can. I'm, I'm here to serve. Oh, just like I said. And then Jesus said to the servants. Oh. In Genesis, God says, should I hide what I'm about to do on the earth from Abraham, my servant? Servants have an inside scoop. Remember back in 2YK? The whole world thought the world was going to shut down. Remember that? I had people in the church say, Pastor, how come you're warning the church? They need to get ready to buy all this stuff, and God's getting ready to come. The world's going to shut down, and you are, you are not doing your responsibilities. Pastor, you're not hearing from God, and you better tell the church you better invest some money in all these things. And I, you, know, I'm not, you probably should invest in some things, have some extra food and water. I, I, but some people can, so I'm not going to eat. Some people could not eat for a while. Anyway, but anyway, I said, but you know, uh, and people told me all this stuff. I heard people call me and tell me this. And I said to some people, I said, you know what, I, I think I can hear from God. And I don't think, I don't think anything's going to happen, Jack. They said, you know what? You are the minority. You, you're going to be so full. You're going to, you, you are going to be a fool. You're going to be made a fool. And like, the whole world's going to know how dumb you were as a pastor. I said, or how smart I was. <laughs> and the Y2 came, came, and it went. Nothing happened. I wanted to go back to those people and say, uh, what'd you say? I didn't say nothing. I just let it go because they're, they're not all there. But he says to the servants, you show me someone who, that's the position of their heart is, is to serve. And I'll show you someone that God talks to. The Bible says in the book of Joel, referred to also in the book of Acts, chapter 2, I think it is, in the last days, God said, I'll pour out my spirit upon all my servants. You would have the inside scoop of what God's getting ready to do and moving and speaking. God speaks to people whose hearts, you know, I'm here to serve. Simple obedience. You think about it. I call this God's blessing how to receive God's blessing. I said one right step at a time. And it's pretty simple. Read what happens. He says, fill the jars with water. Then he stopped. He didn't tell, he didn't tell him nothing else. He said, fill the jars with water. Well, that's the first step. Well, okay, what else? He doesn't tell him what else. 
We want this. God, fill the jars with water, pour out the jars, and when you pour out the water from the jars to the cups and take it to the cups to the, to the guy in charge of the wedding, then the water's going to be turned into wine. We want to hear the whole story first. God said, no, no, no. You do one step at a time. One step at a time. You make a right choice one step at a time and leave it to God. He says, you go fill those water pots with water. Well, I'm not going to give you more instruction when you haven't obeyed the first instruction I gave you. Some Christians are, how come God, well, you haven't done what he's already told you to do. Why would he give you more instruction? You haven't done what he's already asked you to do. There's things he's been talking to you about, the services and revivals. You ignored his voice, all, and you want him to give you more? God, why would I tell you more? You haven't done, it's like a child at home. Any parent knows, you don't get to tell a child more. He said, do what I told you to do when I first left home, son. Right? Parent comes back, why did you take out the trash? Well, well you're, no, no. Do what I, let's start there first, right? Every parent says that, right? Let's start with your room first. For the city marks that off as dangerous <laughs> and uninhabitable. And then the Bible says, they fill it up. Then Jesus says, now draw some out and tells them the direction to take it. One step at a time. One step at a time. We're talking about trusting God. We, we, don't have, we have no idea how God's going to do what he needs to do. We have no idea when God's going to do what he needs to do. We don't know, have no idea how God's going to do what he needs to do. But in those moments, we have to trust God. The servants say, you know, hey, this don't make no sense, Mary. I mean, Jesus is telling us, Jesus, you ask us to put, fill the water in these, by the way, these tanks are pretty big places. They're pretty big, six of them, they're pretty big, 180 gallons total. Pretty big water. It wasn't easy to do what they asked. Jesus asked. It was not easy to do what they did. That's a whole other sermon. But you, you naturally would think, well, why am I doing this? Well, what does this have to do with run out of wine? We need more wine. And you have to go get water. Makes no sense. But sometimes God may ask you to do something in your mind. It makes no sense. It almost seems counterproductive. You ask me to go get something. I'm asking you to give us something, and you're asking me to go get something. That makes no sense. And so you don't know how God's going to work it out. Mary didn't know how God was going to work but Mary leaves it with God. The Bible says in Psalms 27, verse 14, wait for and confidently expect the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait and confidently expect the Lord. So we, we wait on God. I don't understand. I'm filling this with water. Why? Because God told me to fill it with water. It don't make a whole lot of sense. But Jesus said, do this. I'm going to do it. I'm just going to wait on God. The other thing I thought about quickly is Mary. You know, Mary is so trusting because when Jesus says, why do you involve me now? It's not my time. Mary just, Mary doesn't push the issue. She doesn't say, Jesus, well, what, what do you mean? What are you going to do? When are you going to do it? When you, how, how are you going to help me? When are you going to help me? Are you going to help the wedding party or not? Are you going to intervene or aren't you? She doesn't do none of that. She simply says, whatever he tells you to do, she expects from her heart that God is going to talk to my husband. So what do you mean, Pastor? Do you expect God to speak? Do you still expect God to speak to your husband, your wife, your kids, your family? Do you still expect God to speak? So you know what? We get all worked up. We get all worked up about stuff. Oh, 
all crazy and get it all on our shoulders and carry the burden we're not supposed to, we weren't meant to carry. And see, so God said, hey, you know what? This is bigger than me, man. God, whatever he tells you to do, you do it. I believe God can speak to you. Do you still believe God can speak to people? Still believe God, you know what? I need you to talk to my husband because I ain't getting through. <laughs> or my wife or my kids or my grandkids. God, talk to him. God, speak to him. And you believe it. How much more time I got? <laughs> None of you said nothing. <laughs> that means shut down, Pastor. <laughs> Shut the thing down. Wrap it up. <laughs> I'll end right here. Two last parts. Five minutes. Well, five times four. No, five times. Five times two. No, five times. Yeah, two. Ten minutes. Ten minutes. Ten minutes. Two things. These water pots... Hold 20 to 30 gallons each. It wasn't small. It's was kind of big. The water they would put in there is actually called living water. It had to be, it was the most purified water you could get. That's what they would use to clean themselves with. Apparently, we don't know all, I read all these commentaries, and they leave out a lot because they don't know. But it's obviously, it seems like they're empty. You said fill them, so it seems like they're empty. That would be a lot of work. There's a spot they would have to find. That would have to be cleared. That would be a place that they, okay, that's purified water. The only kind of water you can use for, for ceremonial washing was purified water. It was mineral water. It be perfect water according to those days. And that's what they would use to clean themselves. So by the time they filled up all these water pots, you're talking some time. It wouldn't be like just one moment. We read it and they fill them up like it only happened in a second. It would be a lot of work. It wouldn't be easy to do. Okay. <clears throat> so the water... And Jesus says, fill them up to the brim. I preached on that last week. To fill your life up with God. To the top. Top off your life with God and his presence. And then he tells them, now you filled it up. Take some out. Put it in a cup and take it to the leader of the, of the marriage. Take it to the leader. The guy run the whole thing. Take it to him. And the guy tastes it. says, it's unbelievable. He's really good. People say, well, see, Jesus got them all drunk. Please, if they were all drunk, how would you know it tastes better? When you're drunk, you don't distinct, oh, you know, a whole lot of distinction in you, right? You're drunk, you know, it tastes better. Oh, this is the best beer I've ever had. <laughs> no, you just say, that's a beer. He says, I can't believe you. This tastes really, really good. Next week, I'll tell you what the word good means, but I don't have time for it now. But they take it, and it's wine. You know what wine is made out of? Most wine, I research it, just American wine, is 85% water. This is different wine. This is fer fresh fermented wine. This is totally different, not fermented wine. I'll just read one thing to you, and I'm going to make a, make a statement here. I'll read this to you. Here's what it says. <clears throat> MacArthur, I don't follow MacArthur, but he's got some good things on history. He said, where did the water actually go? We don't know. But this would have been unfermented wine. It seems like by doing this, Jesus bypassed the curse. He bypassed the earth, the vine, the grapes, the seed, everything we would know. This was the best wine ever man ever, ever tasted. 
It was not only wine, it was the best wine that could ever be consumed. Pure, sweet, unfermented, delicious, nothing like a man had ever tasted before in his life. So what are you saying, Pastor? Well, here's what I'm saying here. To make the wine, he needed the water. Because he said, fill it up with water. Sometimes we forget God uses what you have to make what you have, what you don't have. Our problem, we live in such a discontented society, we despise what we have. Because you forget the potential of what you have. Because what you have can be turned into wine. Are you listening to me? What you have, oh, don't write, don't write off. You, you, you think, oh, you, you may write off that little rinky-dink job you just got. See, that's nothing. It's nothing. It's just a little water. It ain't really nothing. God, can't, oh, God takes that. He turns it into wine. That little, that little thing you get in the church, you start doing something, may make fun of your job in the church, whatever it might be. Hey, that's nothing. Oh, no, don't despise it. And you don't despise it. It's nothing. Oh, listen, God can take that and make it into something. We always forget the potential. And God uses what we have, not what we don't have. He, Jesus could have walked up and said, okay, no wine, Mary? Get everybody together. They all gathered together. And Jesus said, wine. Bam, wine. He didn't do that. He says, it's going to take steps, and I'm going to use what you already have. Some of us, we look for miracles over there. God says, I'm going to start with what you got. Not with what you don't have. So don't despise what you got. Don't despise what you have in your life right now. He said, what is this? Don't despise it. And the last point is, when did the water turn to wine? We talked about this last week. We don't know. We don't know. Read it. There's no one verse that says, and the water became wine. It doesn't say that. We just read these different verses, and all of a sudden, boom, it's there. And I'm going to share an experience, and you've experienced this too, I'm sure. A couple of my friends have asked me, okay, why don't you just, and I'm not saying it's to discourage people, they say, why don't you just quit preaching? You're in pain, you've got problems, you've got all these medical things going on. Just quit. Quit doing it. Just retire. Go to some church someplace and move. And these are good friends. And they said, why? I said, well, no, you can't do it. I said, you know you can't do this no more. I said, you're right, I can't, but God can. Here's my point. When they drew out the water, it literally means to pour out. And I'll say something to everyone in here. When you pour your life out, you'll find a supernatural power that wasn't there before. Someone asked my wife last Sunday after I preached, said, what did you give care? What did you give pastor? You're so hyper. I don't drink coffee 90% of the time before I preach. So what, 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 what? What do you give them? I believe, I believe in the supernatural power of God. That's Jesus. Tell him I said hi. <laughs> if I went by how I felt, I would not be preaching any Sundays. I would not be preaching any Sunday if I went by how I felt. Pain in my body, and I won't go into a poor me. No, no, no. I just say, okay, this is what it is. This is what it is. This is how it is. I'm not, not dropping all these pain. No, no, none of that. 
This is what I want to do. And I get up and stand behind here, and I'm going to pour it out as best I can, God. And it seems like, and I'm sure you've experienced the same thing, when you pour your life out, just give it your best shot. God gets involved, and all of a sudden, it ain't just water no more. It's something supernatural takes place because you allowed God, you gave room for God to get involved, and he does only what God can do. All I know is I stand up without telling folks, there's no way I can do this today. And before I know it, 45 minutes are gone, and I did it. That's all I know. Why don't you bow your heads this morning? Let's all bow our heads. Every head bowed, every eye closed. The bottom line to this whole story is that God's a God of transformation. He said at the end, man, you, the, you, the best is at the end. And that's how God works in his economy. As time goes on, you'll see that God always gives you something better than what you had. You're here this morning. God's talking to you. Why don't you listen to him? Why don't you obey him? Why don't you trust him? Quit trying to figure it out yourself. Quit trying to... Connect all the dots. God wants you to use your wisdom, of course. But there are some things, just trust God. Say, you know what, God, this is the process. I don't understand it, but I am going to trust you in it. There's people God's talking to you about your life, your lifestyle, your mind. So many things the Spirit of God's talking to you about. Just raise your hand quickly before I end the service.